literally lays on the horn and doesn't even begin to crack the throttle. And all you see is people jumping into the ditch and running and throwing stuff out of the way. We blow by that, that bonfire at about 105 miles an hour. And like the doctor said, if you were to fall on ice or break this arm once again, you probably won't have anything left to put it back together. And that's the biggest reason I walked away. He's like, are you dumb? And I'm like, what? He's like, Bell told me, like, you went out with your T-shirt and your shirt. And I said, I wasn't planning on wrecking. There's no name too big, no name too tame. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Welcome back, everybody. Wow. To the Uncommon Deeds podcast. That improved my mood, man. I thought it might. Yeah. I didn't get all the stories I wanted. Um, if there is a, uh, a big story coming out of our vacation is that a lot of stuff happened and we weren't as productive as we wanted to be. And <laughs> our first episode back started on Sunday. <laughs> so after four weeks off, we did a turn and burn. <laughs> As we record this, it goes to air in two hours and 52 minutes. Correct. (laughs) And we had plans, such as a new open, some new music. And luckily, I tend to thrive with procrastinating. I push stuff off, and then I just hyper-focus and get it done. And I managed to bust out a new open just in time for this episode. Oh, I did the graphic that I posted today this morning at 7.22 when I should have left for work at 7.15. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was a busy uh, vacation, but not how we planned it to be. Um, We did get some work done. I, I mean, we really made progress behind the scenes, and it's not a lot that's quantifiable for you folks who are listening, but we are in a better position than we were before the break. Not quantifiable yet. Yeah, yet. Yeah. We have some stuff that we said we wanted ready to go for today as this comes out on Tuesday, which happy Tuesday, everybody. Yeah, we got to get used to that, don't we? Our first Tuesday. Uh, And a few of those things aren't quite ready yet. Uh. Some YouTube stuff will be coming soon. And yeah, that's like that's a lot that we worked on. That is a lot that we worked on and got some template stuff done, some graphic stuff done. And now it's just kind of us getting in a room and hammering out our part of it. Yeah. Well, our audio part of it. Yeah. Uh, you may have noticed our new logo. Um, and we are taking t-shirt orders now 
they will be steaming hot off the press. I think on Thursday night, they'll be ready to go out the door. So we're taking orders from you and we'll have all the order information and the pricing and all that stuff. Um, we do have a new order of hats with the original logo. Um, we'd be interested to, to hear if you guys want some hats with the new logo with that UDP American flag, checkered flag deal going on there. But uh, yeah, we can get that done. Probably. We came through fresh merch as of today. Once again, Tuesday, as this podcast comes out, check out the socials. That'll have all the information, the pictures for the new merch. I'm pumped, man. I We were kind of dragging at the end of the last run, which 73 consecutive weeks of grinding like we like we do is I mean it, it kind of it got a little bit monotonous. monotonous. Mm. It, oh yeah, look at look at you, huh? We're clicking, buddy. You're you're all I need, Tom. <laughs> Um, but we had a, we had a, some time to reset and do some family stuff, which was, you know, the majority of why we're not <laughs> where we yeah. expected to be at the end of this. Break. It was um, probably not in our heads, not as productive as we wanted it to be, but looking back, it was absolutely needed. You know, yeah. we needed that time we needed. And part of me is like, oh man, why did certain stuff have to come up during our break. But then I'm also thankful that it came up during the break and could kind of focus on that and not worry about who's going to be the guest this week. Yeah. So yeah, that (laughs) we'll spare you the gory details, but yeah. um, I mean, kids, a lot of things, a lot of things happen at the right time. Yeah. It was kids stuff, but it was also other family stuff. And like, there's nothing wrong but just all the things happened, you know, and you, yeah. you deal with it. Not n- yeah. nothing wrong, but still stressful. Nonetheless. Yeah. Lots of, lots of time spent that was unplanned. And boy, did you guys miss us Oof. or you're super excited about today's guest. And it's, it's, it's probably that, but that. Yeah. man, Justin put out the Facebook post this morning about our guest, the great Joey LaCare. And God, my phone would not stop buzzing. I haven't looked at it in the last probably four or five hours, but it was like 40 plus shares on a teaser. That's never happened before. Um, 200 something likes and love. I mean, that was, that's super cool. And thank you everybody for uh like i don't know <laughs> like tom said i don't know if you missed us or if you're just excited for joey it doesn't really matter but um at least you're you're seeing us and and you know when you when you share our post that only helps grow what we're trying to do and there were a lot of names that showed up that i've never seen before on our page um and that's super cool there's new eyeballs on the uncommon deeds podcast and, and all of our other arms that we're, you know, flailing about with. And this is a good one, folks. It's one. Oh my, oh my God. Justin and I have had circled. And I think all of you had circled since we announced the podcast. And 
it took a while, and that's because Joey LaCare is the busiest man that I yeah. know. And he's yeah. now, you know, quote unquote, we said after the interview, very semi retired. Emphasis on very. Uh, and you'll hear a little bit more about that as we go. But we finally got a chance, and we, like I said, we recorded this on Sunday, and he was at White Mountain till about 1 a.m. on Saturday. Yeah. And he talks about that race a lot in this conversation. So when he says the race last night, he's talking about the 250 at White Mountain. To be clear, he drove his Tiger. Correct. Yeah. But... So he came all the way back, met us in Woodbury, my old stomping grounds, for uh, just a lovely sit-down. We were in his camp. You could hear the pontoon boats in the background, yeah. waves coming up on the, on the beach. It Did was, that pick up on the mics? I haven't. Obviously it I really haven't didn't it. that much. I think no, I, heard, I heard one boat come by, but... Yeah. No, it was it was, it was cool. super nice. Yeah, and I really like that we're starting off. Is this second season? I, I mean, know. I don't know. Whatever. We're coming back with a with an in person show, which is the whole. That was our whole goal when this thing started a year and a half ago. Was to sit down with these people and and see them, you know, and shake their hand and and really make that connection. And um, this this show would not have been nearly as good i don't think joey would have done it anyway if it no. was over zoom but it never it it never would have been this good um over a computer you know it's funny we'll let you guys in a little bit to our some of our vacation talks as we talked about different segments and we're going to talk about one that's going to start next week but well, we talked about one uh called old man on the lawn <laughs> Or oh, each week we talked, or get off my lawn, right? Or get off my lawn. It was one of the something two. Like yeah, and we talked about each week talking about something that just bugs us as we're getting older. But Joey took care of that in this episode. You'll hear it a couple times. He really talks about how technology should have just ended at 1990. I love it. He is the owner and proud owner. Of a flip phone still. And he doesn't even necessarily want that. So, yeah, Zoom was not going to happen yeah. with Joey. And like you said, it wouldn't have been as good. I don't think it would have had the charm maybe that some of these stories had. And I don't think he would have been as comfortable giving us some details that we did not expect to hear wow. when we showed up. Yeah. Uh, you just hinted at, you know, perhaps his most controversial moment in Thunder Road history. And he went in immediately. He did. I like, I, I don't think I even asked you didn't question. Did I not really? He, would, he just went for you it. said the year. Yeah. All you and said he was smiled when I said it and knew where I was going with it. And he gave us another story that he said is the first time he had ever told that story. Yeah. Because he legally couldn't tell the story. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, just awesome. 
and uh yeah this is this is one of my favorite shows not just because it's joey but because for the most part when we do these shows i'm the one with the personal connection to to the person that we're talking to and i i'm the one that sets it up and i have most of the questions and you know all that stuff it wasn't the case this time this was this was tom uh who put in a lot more effort on this one than i did and it he kind of got to be in the driver's seat a lot more, which was really fun for me to, to do that. And the inside jokes were between you guys and not, not me and Joey. Um, there, there really, was a few there. Yeah. I really liked that. Yeah. Um, uh, I grew up with Joey. We rented a trailer from him to up through like a hundred yards from where we were sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were there till, I don't know, first grade or so. So it was always growing up. It was uncle Joey. That's who it was, and we'd go down, and we were at the beach right by his camp almost every day of the summer swimming and, you know, saw all his kids, and they were playing around on jet skis and boats and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I've known him literally my entire life and worked for him for a while at Speedway 51. It was fun to kind of bring it back. And, you know, I joked with Justin that it was a real hit the nostalgia button for me being there. And I'm showing Justin around to where I was as a kid. And I hadn't been there in probably 20 years, at least it's actually probably more than that. I think I remember the last time I went down on that beach, down those steps. And it was, I believe seventh grade. Yeah. Last day of school. My sister picked me up, and we went. And I think that was the last time that I'd been there. So a little more than than twenty years. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and that might be the nicest spot on the planet, too. By the way, it was, it was eighty-five degrees, almost ninety that day, but it was sixty-eight where we were. Um, it was just perfect, perfect, and. Uh, just a beautiful setting. And we, we kind of, there was a, a pontoon boat on the dock. We, we got there before Joey did. And uh, we kind of hung out on the dock out in the, in the water. And we kind of had the idea of maybe we could put the battery pack on this thing and go out in the middle of the lake and record this in the boat. It, it didn't happen. But. Probably better off. Cause yeah, there, in a, there was a lot of pontoon boat traffic yeah. Sunday. I think Woodbury Lake is the pontoon capital. And the oh, one Vermont. dude in his little boat with his dog, and he sat there fishing in the same spot for about a half an hour. And as soon as he moved, this big bass jumped right out of the water where the boat was. It was the funniest thing. I loved it. Uh, but no, super happy with this episode. A lot of great stories. And yeah. this is another one of those. There's probably, and I've already seen it, with comments people have made or some, some suggestions from people who maybe thought we hadn't talked to them yet. There'll be a lot of things I'm sure people point to and wish that we had asked about. And there's stuff I wish I had asked that I'd forgot. We just talked about that. Yeah. But you know, someone whose career has spanned 60 plus years, we're never going to hit everything in an hour and a half podcast. And I was very happy that we just kind of 
maybe we bounced around a lot. Maybe we jump around in this one, but I was happy with it. I mean, Justin came in with barely one page of handwritten notes and I couldn't have been more proud of him. Yeah. And that wasn't by design, but it, it kind of put me at ease. Like we're going to have a conversation. I don't have to be regimented here. Um, and I did read my notes at one point during the show to give some context. Um, and maybe I can say it again now. Uh, Cause I, it, it dawned on me that there are people who have been going to Thunder Road for the last seven or eight years who have probably never seen Joey LeCare race at Thunder Road and may not know who he is. Um, so we'll do that in a minute. But, yeah, I'm always kind of strict on what I'm asking. And that wasn't the case this time. And it, it felt way more real. It was nice. And I think our in-person conversations lend itself to that. Because it is yeah, so much absolutely. less formal than a computer screen. Like the Beaver Show and yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, let's give some context here on Joey LeCare. Um, the dude just turned seventy nine a few weeks ago and he is still on the hammer in race cars and in life. Um, very successful businessman. Um dealing with snowmobiles and boats mostly and, and various other um, adventures, but um, has been a, we learned a lot about his drag racing history and his snowmobile racing history that really doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, And I knew just about nothing about his drag racing, which was really, really cool to hear about. Um, So we'll let him discuss all of that. But one of the comments that I did see on our social media today Somebody said, I've looked at all the records at Thunder Road and he, he only had one Tiger Championship. Kind of like like we're blowing smoke. Well, no, he did have the first Tiger Championship in 1982 when Thunder Road reopened. But the records that are on the Thunder Road website don't um, carry past the modern era, I guess, which began in 1982. Right. Joey dominated the, the Volkswagen Mini Stock Division. It was him and Jerry Parentoni, Tom Glazer, and a you know a couple other guys, but it was Joey. He won. Uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six Thunder Road championships in the mini stocks. One, two, three Catamount championships and three Vermont State championships. Um, the guy just absolutely crushed it. Um, had a fleet of cars. He won not only at Thunder Road and Catamount, but Seekonk, Mass, Oxford, Maine, Laval, Quebec. Um, he won at uh, the old Lee Trioval before what is now Lee USA Speedway was built. Um, he's won at Riverside Speedway. He's won on the Trioval at Saint Air, um, White Mountain, which you will definitely hear about uh, later in the episode. Uh, he's won at Airborne. He's won at Devil's Bowl, and probably a lot more that we don't know about. Um, the dude has been at it for a long time and he's won a lot of races. He's had a lot of drivers race for him and be very successful. Um, and we do talk more about that later in the show, so I won't waste your time with it now, but, um, Joey LeCare is the all time wins leader at Thunder road and the all time championship winner at Thunder road. And when you think about a 63 year history, um, he's the barometer. Yeah. 
Well said. Not much to add there. Well, yes, there is more to add because he's also been a track owner and a promoter. Um, Speedway 51 over, you know, which is now again, Riverside. Um, he had the hidden Valley cart track in Montpelier or East Montpelier. Um, and just a lot more. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead let's and let, <laughs> let Justin make today's introduction. Yeah. The birds are chirping and we are on the lake shore of uh, beautiful Woodbury Lake with statistically the greatest driver in the history of Thunder Road International Speed Bowl, uh, a seven-time champion, 45 race winner, and that's only at Thunder Road. He's got a lot more uh, that he's accomplished in his very long and very uh, spectacular career. Uh, but moreover, we're just excited to be in the company of a gentleman and uh, one of the one of the great ambassadors of stock car racing in Vermont, Joey LeCare. Thanks for inviting us into your home and, and doing this with us. Oh, you're quite welcome. Pleased to have you. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot to ask you about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as we always do, let's let Tom take the reins yeah, from the first question. usually kick it off, and you kind of hinted at it before we hit record. When do you remember motorsports coming into your life? When I was... 13, 14 years old. Actually, before then, but when I got really involved was when I was like 13, 14. My dad raced my whole life, you know, when he was living. So that would be, you've just turned 79, right? Yep. Next birthday is 80. So that would be the mid-50s. Yes, correct. Yeah. Now, where, what, who, all that stuff? Well, like I was saying, my dad started... Uh, racing and just after the World War II, they came home from the war and they got uh, pretty excited and you now they started dirt dirt racing. Uh, Northfield's the one I remember the most. Uh, Claremont Speedway, uh, actually State Line, uh, Colchester, Mallets Bay. Then they got, got away from the dirt racing and went they uh, Coolies, uh, Ray and Spade and. Uh, a bunch of guys got together, and, and Ken Squire, of course, they got together and uh, put Thunder Road up and built that. And it's uh, quite the it was quite the racetrack back then. You know, it's actually one of the first asphalt tracks in the area. Yeah. How did you decide you wanted to try getting in it, especially at such a young age? We talked to Dave Moody, and he's talking about you at you know, 14, 15, owning a car and having people race for you because you weren't old enough to race? Well, my father didn't want me to race. <laughs> if, you know, I, I would race if he had let me, but he he didn't want me to race. He wanted me just to be involved and build cars. But uh, the first real uh, jam, uh, race that we won was the Milk Bowl with uh, Johnny Gamble driving. And I can remember Johnny saying after the race, Joey, is this thing legal? Because I don't want to get disqualified. Is this thing legal? You're okay, John. Trust me. <laughs> when was your first race? Well, I dragged race. Get away from the oval track. I dragged raced uh, since I was like uh, 16 years old, street racing. And then uh, Milton Speedway came along. And uh, myself, along with uh, Lanny Benoit, or Larry Benoit, Lanny's dad, and 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 uh, Lanny did race also. Um, we raced at Milton with uh, Bobby uh, Dragon, John Kiefer, 
Frankie Woodard. They had a, a drag car called uh, the Monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we raced uh, Hudson, South Glens Falls, Lebanon Valley, Connecticut Dragway, uh, Sun Air, uh, Toronto, Ontario. We raced Toronto. all over the place. Wow, Toronto. Yeah. yeah, I won the Canadian National Championship in Toronto and at uh, Napierville. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So this is serious. Oh yeah, yeah. We we were real serious about it. I had a, a three ninety cubic inch engine in a uh, Comet Cyclone, brand new Comet Cyclone uh, Mercury. Uh, I had some work done on it uh, out in California. Special headers made. You had to actually you put the headers in. You had to take the motor out, put them on the car, and then stick the ca- motor back in the mm. car for these headers. Yeah, we we enjoyed it. You know. Uh, Spent quite a few years back. I spent a lot of time racing with Cha-Cha Maldowney. She was originally from Burlington, mm-hmm. and then uh, she married uh, George, and they were out in uh, Schenectady, New York, uh, where their home was, and uh, she was uh, quite the racer herself. Yeah, we actually got to talk to her um, uh, about a year ago, and uh, <coughs> those were some pretty wild days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't afraid of anything. Uh, she she'd stand up to any man there is. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So your dad didn't have any issue with drag racing. He just didn't want you on the ovals. Well, he had issue with me drag racing on the street because a bunch of us guys in town, Norm Grierson, uh, Russell Sumner, Mark Emmons, and actually uh, Walker's Walker Motors, uh, Don Walker. Uh, Donner's, it actually, it was Rufus, there we go, the right guy. Rufus Walker had a, just got in a new 406 Ford, uh, four-speed, and uh, he came out and raced with us a couple times on the street. We used to race up on Washington Flats and down in um, uh, where uh, Route 2, just outside of Montpelier, there's just straight flats there just for the, mm-hmm. the, they had put the interstate in, was doing it, and we were racing down there. We, we raced all over the place on the streets, and then, like I said, finally Milton came along, and and we just headed all over the place racing. And uh, when Bobby Dragon and uh, John Kiefer and Frankie Woodard decided they were all done drag racing because they put Milton Speedway in, we all stopped drag racing. I mean, like, stopped and went oval racing. Hmm. What kind of trouble did you get in? Well, we're very lucky because back in our days, in the 60s and 70s, the police were on our side. <laughs> they liked fun too. You know, <laughs> we had uh, uh, a state police that lived up on uh, up on the opposite side. He lived in Orange on three hundred two, and I won't mention any names. But uh, <laughs> he used to get some complaints because we were making pretty good noise because we were running open headers on our cars up on Washington straight away there and he'd come over and say boy so can you move this to someplace out it's going to get me in trouble <laughs> chuck Beatty wasn't as lucky yeah he told chuck, this story yeah. he had quite a few moving violations yeah. on his record <laughs> yeah no i never had a moving violation and it was you know the day and age i grew up the we we never should have gone by the 90s the 90s was should have been the stop of all our <laughs> electronics as we yeah. have now and all you know it's just People are, are growing up too fast. Yeah. Well, mm. When we grew up, we grew up slow. We grew up ha- happy and fun. You yeah. know, life was was easy. You know, it wasn't hard. You had to work for it, but it wasn't like now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely in. I was reminiscing with Justin 
because I used to live right up the hill, and we'd come down next to your camp, and we would swim here constantly. And that's all we did all summer. Yeah. There were no electronics or computers or anything. Yeah. It was walk down the hill and go swimming, and it was it was good times. Yeah. And so were you also straight from the start doing the snowmobile stuff too? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I know... Yeah. There's I a remember of being trophies right behind it. Yeah, I remember being small and like you and my dad plowing off Woodbury Lake yeah. and doing drags. Yeah, we uh, and I still I still race. I race every winter. Uh, we uh, oval race, not too much drag. I have a drag sled. Still got it, uh, three hundred horsepower drag Jesus. sled. But uh, oh my god, we're uh, we're racing oval, you know. It's vintage racing. Mm-hmm. We're racing older sleds. You know, it's a lot of fun. They have we have we have some newer stuff we race too. But I'm strictly running the vintage stuff. I work on some older stuff. I mean, newer stuff for guys. But uh, yeah, every winter we're so we're still playing uh, playing with snowmobiles on oval tracks. When did Lacare's Marie in the shop come into play? Well, actually, it was uh, from the day one. <laughs> It was called Race and Custom Race Sports. And, custom. Yeah. and uh, I remember one of my drag cars I had was a 41 Ford sedan with a 350, no, 305 Chevy V8 in it. And uh, Russell Sumner, which is the guy that raced with me, he, uh, he came in my shop at the house one day, and he looked at it and said, oh, this is quite the Hummer. So we called it the Hummer. <laughs> and we raced it all over all over Quebec, all over uh, New York. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. How how old were you when Racing Customs started? I was, uh, see, I got my license in 59, 16 years old. I was probably 18, 18, 19 years old. Not, yeah, I was 18 years old when it started, yeah. Were you on your own? No, I, I still lived at home with my folks. Yeah, Um I got married uh, when I was 20. So, uh, yeah, I lived with dad, mom, and I had my, actually, I had my shop at the house for quite a few years. I was like 16, 17, 18, 19, and then I bought uh, Tafani Motors on Route 14 when I was 19 years old. And then that's when Race Custom became. Man, it's so you know, obviously, that's before our time, me and Tom. But you look back in the scrapbooks or your coffee table there that you got, and race and custom is on a lot of cars, uh, race cars and 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 other motorsports things. So, like, you were really involved with a lot of different teams and, and drivers and people. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I was involved with quite a few different drivers and people. So I enjoyed uh, working with a lot of you know guys my age back then. Like I had uh, five mini stocks that I let uh, four different people drive. You know, for, uh, for me to remember all their names is hard. But uh, Alan Traverge was one. Uh, Dave Ford. Uh, John uh, Massetti, right? Massetti, yeah. That, thanks. So, and uh, there was another one. Mark Rossi ran for Yeah, him. Mark Rossi did, and yeah. then uh, Dave Malloy, he, he did also, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, quite a few different people. You guys mopped up. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk about the mini stocks a lot because really that's the bulk of your success. Right. Um, but before that, you had, you mentioned Johnny Gamble and yep. Tiger and you had Larry Granger. Right. Um, so you were a car owner before you were a driver. Yes. That's At right. least on the oval stuff. On the oval stuff, correct, yeah. Why? What? Why my not? Father, my, my father was, uh, he was at state line when uh, this guy was drinking in the pits and he walked out on the track when they were racing. I mean, like literally right in front of my father, he got hit by a car. Mm. And, and that just frightened my dad. So he just didn't, he didn't want me to race. And then when I turned 18, I said, okay, I'm on my own, so I'm going to race, you know. So. Yeah. Well, he didn't, he didn't mind after a while. He got used to it. Hmm. Um, but you were, you were in your 20s, though, with those Tiger cars, with, yeah. with Granger and Gamble. So, well, no, no. With, with uh, Gamble, I was only uh, 17 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you won the Milk Bowl. We won the yeah. So how are you treated by everybody in the pits? I mean, there's not a lot of kids running around in the pits with race cars back in those days. Well, I, <clears throat> I understand my dad raced, and I was with him and Norm Schlue and uh, John Corbett. They were all in the pits, and so they knew me. You know, I was just like yeah. a, another, another kid, another yeah. guy, you know. What's that like for you, winning a milk bowl as a car? Oh, that was great. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And yeah. with John Gamble, as I mean, he's larger than life. He uh, sure is. Yeah. You know, great guy. Yeah, personality, great, great, great guy. Was he wearing the red pants even back then? He wore red <laughs> pants back then too. But I think the night he was that night, he was he had uh, an all white uniform on, one yeah. piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. So what was, do you remember, the first car you got in and raced in an oval? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was a Camaro. Uh, it was at Milton, right after I got through the minis. Uh, trying to remember the year. I don't remember the year right now, but yeah, it was, it was at Milton Speedway. What do you remember about it? Were you, was it? hooked or were you like eh drag racing's more fun oh no no oval racing drag racing is a lot of fun you know I can't take nothing away from drag racing but there's more adrenaline in in, in racing oval it really is it's you gotta be on your game every second with drag racing you gotta have a quick car and you gotta be good at the lights yeah. if you get off the lights you're and you don't miss any shifts you're good to go but and it's all over within 12 seconds it's right. done yeah <laughs> well when you're over racing it's not done until the flag drops and yeah. depending how long how long the race is how many laps did you find success right off when you switched yeah, i did yeah i i enjoyed it you know it's uh competition back then was not like now i mean it was awesome competition but you got you got uh young kids they're good you know they're, they're today good. today yeah. today yeah. they're good you know, it's. Uh, I was watching. I raced last night the Tigers, and we had that 250 lap uh, ACT race, and uh, I felt pretty bad for Jason Corliss. He was just walking away from it, and they had a restart. He was at least a half or more track 
with about four to six lap cars between him and and uh, DJ DJ Shaw. Yeah, and of course I think he he pulled the wrong move. He chose the outside because his car handled good on the outside, but he forgot that eight tires is better than four. Mm. And DJ used eight tires, ran them up so high that uh, he lost first place. He actually second place guy could buy him because he got up in the berm. I mean, he rocked right up on the corner and lost it. So. It's kind of a backwards repeat from last year, isn't it? Yes. In that yeah. race? Oh, yes. So that's that's a nice little rivalry we got going on. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, so the the mini stocks, the Volkswagens. Um, I mean, you were dominant. It was you and Jerry Parentoni and nobody else. <laughs> for most of the time. Well, uh, Glasser was good. Tommy yeah. Glasser. Tommy yeah. was and, and Harry Gamble. And there, Harry was, there Gamble were guys was that would good. pick off races. And actually, Harry drove one. Of, he bought one of my cars. Yeah. Um, there was there was some good runners. I mean, Butch True. Yeah. There was another good guy. Yeah. You know. Uh, That's one guy I wanted to bring up. Um, in 74 at Catamount, you and Easy Ed Orton and Butch True Three-way tie for the championship. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that in yeah. my life. What I mean, how was how did that all play out? Well, it was it was quite unique actually. Um, Butch, myself, and uh, Easy Ed Orton was the last it was the last races I remember. And for me to get the championship, I had I had to finish at least first. I had to finish at least second. And true, I think it was third. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just the positions was all that way, so it tied the points. It was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Huh. <laughs> but they didn't break the tie. No, they didn't break the tie, and that's good. Why? You know, it's like yeah. it was a tie. It's a tie. Yeah. You know, saying who won the last race gets it gets gets the tie. Yeah, a tie is a tie. That's super cool. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think everyone knows. You're a very good businessman, and you have incredible attention to detail. What led to the walkout at Thunder Road with the Mini Stock Tour? I think you're thinking of Catamount Stadium. Yeah, Catamount, Catamount, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Catamount Stadium. <laughs> it was. It was. We thought that. Well, it was Jerry Parentoni, myself, Tommy Glasser. Um, oh, Barney McRae. There you go. Yeah, yeah it was Barney. So we were talking, like, what what the problem was, they were paying all the money up front. So it was myself, Jerry Parentoni, Tommy Glasser, taking home all the money. Yeah. So we said, you know, let's have our purse dispersed back to the other guys, too, because, you know, they're there racing. Let them have some of the money. Well, that was one of our complaints to Tom. <laughs> Say, You're fighting for the little guys. Fighting for the little guys. Yeah. You know, tell them. Them and said, look, this is the yeah, way you're talking. Tom Curley, Tom Curley, yeah, yeah, this is the way it's going to be. You guys are done, out of here. <laughs> so, there was Jerry and I. We went, Jerry and I went to uh Seekonk five hours away to race. And Tommy Glasser, I think he parked his car for that year. And I think Barney, George, and their dad they parked their car, I think, for that year. And then we came back racing the following year. But, yeah, we weren't looking for more money. We are looking for it to be dispersed back further in the, you know, in the and field. That, and that was a problem? It was that yeah, then. Mr. Yeah. Curley. Yeah. I miss Tom dearly, though. He was a hell of a yeah. promoter. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about Tom for a minute. I mean, you guys seemed kind of inseparable the last few years of, of his life. You know, you, you guys did a lot together with yeah. through the track or whatever. Um, it's you guys kind of rose through the sport at the same time. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Tom was uh, 18 years old, and I was uh, 19 years old. And I was, I had a body shop. I was, you know, not only doing racing, but I did body work, custom body work. And Tom went to Norwich. And Tom used to uh, wreck his 1962 red AAA convertible pretty often. <laughs> Didn't want to take it back home to show the family. So he'd, he'd taken... Uh, Called me up or stopped by and said, hey, I got this damage in the rear quarter of my car. Can you get this fixed before next week? I'm going home. Da, 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 da. That's how Tom and I got to be close friends. And <laughs> was uh, through body job, you know. But, I like the words fairly often there. That, was, yeah. <laughs> that seems like very on brand for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, used to, he was a terror on yeah. the street. <laughs> Um, but that relationship grew and, and, you know, continued forever. Yes. Yeah. Tom and I, uh, you hate to love the man. (laughs) He was, he, I have to say he's probably the best promoter that I'll ever know. And, um, I, you know, I think he was fair. A lot of people say no, but I think, I think Tom was really fair in any calls, whether they were bad calls for me or good calls for me or anyone else. He was always, and he stood behind him. He was he was a, a gentleman, and uh, I, I enjoyed his company. He enjoyed mine. I'm pretty sure of that. How did that relationship <clears throat> evolve when you took over Groveton? Yeah, it, it got even better. I mean, Tom and I. He, of course, Tom was sick at that point. He was. He came to our opening race. Uh, Dialer picked him up. I believe that he was uh, in the hospital at that point. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to come home, get out, and go to our race at uh, at Speedway Fifty One. I, I can. I was actually out uh, on the on the main part of the road coming in when <clears throat> he came came in with Darla. <clears throat> excuse me, and he uh, they stopped to say hi, and we greeted each other. And yeah, Tom was a great guy. Uh, in two thousand one, at the Labor Day race at Thunder Road. He threw you out. Yes. Um, that was the race where everybody swears up and down that you were cheating for Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I was. You were? I was. Yeah, I, I won't deny it. That's when I uh, blocked Phil. That what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 It, it was, uh, I was a bad boy. Was there something going on between you and Phil, or did you just want Tracy no, to win? No, no. Hey, Phil and I, grew, uh, he was a neighbor of mine, two houses away. Yeah. He grew up in my neighborhood. We were good friends. It just, I just had this thing for my my son was uh, crew chiefing for uh, for Tracy and Tracy. I thought deserved as a woman, as a, a nice lady, a nice person to uh, win the race. So I chose to uh, make it happen. I mean, it wasn't right by no means, but it's exciting. Any it was re- exciting? <laughs> Any regrets? Would you do it again if we sent you back oh, right yeah. now? Of course would I do- would. Yeah, I wouldn't change. I mean, it's, it's what I wanted to do, and I did it. We all do things that are wrong, but in my mind, that was that was a right right move for her. You know, 
So Tom ended up in a scuffle in the pits with your son Jamie, I think, right? Yeah, he did, yeah. So did that create any tension between you guys, or was it kind of all for the show, or, or how did that go for the next few weeks after that? No, it. Uh, well, what happened is uh, Jamie was on my trailer, and Tom came over and started yelling at me. And Jamie just says, you don't yell at my dad. <laughs> and he grabbed Tom by the shirt collar. Yeah. And then that's when the scuffle happened. And of course, uh, Jamie is a little, little feisty kid anyways at that time. <laughs> and he never went back to Thunder Road, never went to a race. And that was for a long time. And now we, uh, we just built a race car for his son, yeah. Jesse. And he's back there. You know, he never disgraded Tom. He just didn't like what Tom was saying. Yeah. I I have my copy of that letter that went out in the mail. It's one of the coolest things that ever happened. Is yeah. Tom Tom threw himself out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he kind of instigated the fight. You know, when I when I say uh, Jamie grabbed Tom, that was after that Tom had grabbed and pushed Jamie. Well, Jamie. Oh. Yeah. He Tom made the first I, move. I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, Tom made the first move, and Jamie didn't make the first move. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> you mentioned Jamie. There's Jeff. There's Joey Jr. Were you, did you have to get them involved in motorsports, or did they come out of the womb looking for stuff to drive and? And Jay well, we can't him. forget Jay. And Jay, and too. Jay, sorry. Jay was there racing. He had a Tiger. He did a really... He was a good driver. Yes, he was. Very good driver. Yeah. I message him on Facebook all the time when yeah. I need facts about you. Yeah. <laughs> I did When we were talking to Beaver Dragon, he was trying to say, I think that you were younger than him. I don't went. know. I don't remember. So I messaged Jay during the interview to get your age. <laughs> no, he was older. I don't think that's right. I think his son knows. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. No, they all, they all grew up around it. Whether it was drag racing, snowmobile racing, four wheel racing, Jamie, he was a heck of a snow uh, four wheel racer. He did a lot of competition racing. Uh, that was his 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 uh, racing. Uh, thing that he liked was racing four-wheelers. But Jay raced uh, Tigers, did an awesome job. Uh, He's a great Tiger driver. Yeah, he was. I wish he was still racing. Yeah. I, I wish he was still out there in a the car, but he's got a family. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And my and Joey Jr., we got, I got his, uh, actually, we bought it back at, at an auction, his race car that uh, he was going to be racing the following year that was a car he raced for but he completely changed the body and fixed it up pretty nice and yeah can we talk about joey for a minute sure i mean i've said it probably on this show a, a few times that he as far as i'm concerned is the most naturally talented race car driver i've ever seen um he was so good um, and I didn't know him. He was, you know, I was, I think, eight when he when he died. Um, but, you know, I, you can't go anywhere without hearing a good story about Joey Jr. He was fantastic, yeah. He was a kid that could get in a race car and was natural for him. I mean, he, between him and my son Jeff, Jeff 
and him worked really good together on the suspension and building the race car. Um, we're looking at it, and we look at it often with because car, the car is in uh, Jesse's race shop, mm-hmm. and looking at the stuff that they did to the car to make it handle, which is kind of like what we're doing to our cars right now. And this was back in the day, you know. But yeah, Joey used to all his passing was done on the outside. He'd rim ride and make all his passes up there. Yeah, yeah he was fantastic driver, fantastic. I, I have a video of his championship year. He went 24th. To, for Something happened in the heat race. He went 24th to 1st in the B feature to qualify, yeah. and then 24th to 1st to win the feature. Yeah. Uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was, he was very coordinated, very coordinated. Mind to hands to feet, you know. He was always... No matter what he did, I mean, he, he, he you know, he raced snowmobiles also, and he, he raced a go-kart. We had a go-kart track that we built uh, down behind our house, uh, and he, yeah, he, he was good. He was real good. What kind of guy was he? He was a very honest and uh, meticulous guy. He had a temper. He had a temper. But it was, you know, it wasn't out, outrageous. It was controllable temper. But uh, he was a uh, really honest and trustworthy boy, always. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems meticulous is a great word as someone who's grown up around you my whole yeah. life. <laughs> Your attention to detail and meticulous and clean. I think Jeff is very similar. You guys just seem to be able to hyper-focus and, like you said, be very meticulous. Yeah, Jeff Jeff is actually more meticulous than I am. And it isn't just Jeff and myself, it's Jamie. I mean, he's, the Odyssey is this race car he just built. He needs to take a look at this little street stock. It's, yeah. It looks like a late model. I mean, it's, it's really a nice, nice street stock. I mean, better than what you really should need to be racing you know but he's meticulous jay's meticulous all you know the all those boys always been very meticulous and was was your dad like that oh yeah yeah oh yeah (laughs) so everybody comes by honestly so this is generational then it's generational yeah yeah Yeah. and now is jesse like that yes he is very uh, yeah like he helps me uh with my tiger and there's a few races that he hasn't been able to and he hasn't been with me but like last night, he has a certain place he puts stuff, like in a trailer, and I don't. Not now. <laughs> so I told him, he starts moving. He says, ah, just leave it there, Jesse. Don't worry about it. We won't. Yeah, we're going to put this here, and this is in here. <laughs> yeah, he, he's meticulous. Yeah. I think he'd have it. I mean, last year, he was pretty much your crew chief spotter. Oh, he Everything was every- at what? He was 14? No, it was 11. Oh, well, he's he's 14 now, yes, right. but he just turned his, his birthday and my birthday is the same day. So he's oh. 12 years old up in the yeah. spotters next right. to all these grown men. <laughs> yeah, Richard Green and Rick yeah. Kaya and all those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not too easily intimidated. He's he's his own boy. He has his own mind and he, he deals with things very well. And that seemed to be a, a seems to be a trait with all of your grandkids. Um, and let's bring up Joey as well. Um, you know, and, and he and Jarrett are just so much fun to be around. 
Um, and I know this is a tough one. Um, it's tough for all of us a few years ago when, when we lost him. Um, but, man, what a kid he was, too. Yeah, he sure was. He's, I think he would bend on the joy, you know, yeah. uh, my oldest boy, just like him. He was, he was uh, a good driver, a very quiet, quiet kid. He never, uh, he never gave us any problems whatsoever. He's, he'd listen, and he'd deal with it, you know. Yeah. How much does, you know, Joey Jr., little Joey, play in your wanting to keep racing and more so just enjoying the moments that you have and taking advantage of all these opportunities? I know people say, yeah, that I'm too old to still be racing, but I really like it. And like I told you a little while ago, that I I still snowmobile race and I enjoy it a lot. And I still race because I enjoy it. It isn't something that I doing because I should do or supposed to do it. I do it because I like it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. enjoy racing. When when little Joey passed, the kind of the general feeling for a few weeks was that's the end. Like there's the lacares are going to be done. How much more can you guys go through? And your response to that was buying Riverside Speedway. Correct. Oh my God, what a cool moment that was. Like honestly we Nobody was sure if we'd see you again yeah. around the racetrack, um, or Jeff, or or anybody, and and then you you built a palace in his honor. Um, it was it was really just one of the neatest things I think that's happened in New England racing. He uh, he loved racing as as our whole family likes racing. And when uh, my son Jeff says, you know, I think uh, Riverside's up for. Uh, going for auction. I said, really? He says, yeah. I said, when's the auction? He, he looked it up and told me the date. And I says, well, I'll be there. So when they had the auction, I was there and got to be the highest bidder and bought it. And, and you know, in regards to uh, my grandson. And uh, Jeff, Jeff is the one that named the track. I was going to call it, uh, oh, Grove Tona. Grove Tona, correct. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I said, that, that was what I was going to call it, Grove Tona. And, and Jeff I think was, you had some decals made at one point that yeah. said Grove Tona before. Yeah. But Jeff looked at me and says, Dad, the Speedway 51. Oh, man. So that's what we called it, Speedway 51. And that definitely turned into a passion project. You yeah, put yeah. more in that track than probably anyone would have expected or imagined and you weren't doing it to make a big profit <laughs> no that's for sure i'll tell you my wife pam she she enjoyed that racetrack she put a lot of time a lot of work uh, a lot of effort into uh making it work we enjoyed having it it was kind of a family family deal you know I don't know what more to say about it, but we had a lot of fun there. And my worry on the racetrack, the property was the river. Every yeah. year we could, oh, yeah. we lost property, and we get so close to eating the road away. And I was putting stones in the river to protect it, and that's that's a that's a no no. I caught 
hell for it. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, you know, we tried to get permits. I spent, I bet you I spent $15,000 just in engineers and permits, you know, to, to take and do something to stop the erosion on the river. And it just, uh, I just got put off, put off, put off. I had a hundred different excuses. And then I had, uh, Mike and Rick approached me about buying it. And I, you know, I go to bed at night worrying that we're going to have a, a flood and I lose more property because the only way into that track is right, Craggy Road. <laughs> right where yeah. you know, right there. Yeah. And that, that's getting eaten out really, really bad. So I just said, yeah, I'd sell it. I didn't really want to, but the best part of me said, you better because once that goes away, the road. That's it. It was 50 acres you can't get to, you know. And, you know, maybe you could buy some property from the neighbor, maybe, but uh, I Mm. doubt it. Yeah. Not to uh, fast forward, and we'll go back, obviously, into more racing stuff, but word has you're building a new track. A new go-kart track. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I started that last year. Well, we built uh, Hidden Valley. I can't remember what year we did that. It was a go-kart track, and we had that for, like, I don't know, 10 years or so. It was in the 80s, right? I believe it was in the 80s, yeah. yeah. So then uh, I bought a couple farms, and I bought a farm on Route 14, and I started bulldozing it. And, I just kept, and it's all clay, which is all natural, really nice. So I said, you know what? I told my wife, I said, I'm going to build another go-kart track. She says, you're what? <laughs> said, yeah, I'm going to build another go-kart track. So right now... I was hoping to get it open for this year, but we're not quite ready. You know, it's it's a nice layout. It's similar to the other uh, uh, go-kart track, Hidden Valley. It uh, the, it has uh, a nice bank that spectators can sit on up high and see the whole track. And it's going to be a, a bigger track than Hidden Valley was. We, you know, we want to get a little more speed. We're going to have a a little road course along with an oval, dirt, uh, clay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice solid clay. I mean, it's nothing we had to haul in. It was all natural. I mean, good hard blue clay. Awesome. So, so Hidden Valley produced quite a few excellent racers. Yeah, it sure did. Well, Jimmy Hebert. Sure. His dad. His dad is one that actually built the track. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, Hebert Construction. Him and John Clark and. A uh, bunch of other guys, we you know they they came. Let's do it. Let's get this track built. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Kip Stockwell came out of there, right? Kip Stockwell. He's, he's your he's your big guy that came out of Hidden Valley, he, right? He is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. must have been proud to see some kids grow up and and do good things with with race cars after. Oh, absolutely. That's why at uh, at Speedway Fifty One we had uh, the Daredevils. Yeah. We we we've got a lot of. Good drivers out of there. Uh, uh, Casey Biatti. Casey Biatti. Yeah. He's, yeah. I call him the turn two kid because when he first started racing, he'd come down the front stretch and just fly off turn two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually went so far, he went through one of my hurricane fences. Yeah. <laughs> but he just kept going. And Casey Biatti is, he is a great kid, great driver. He's last few weeks, he had some bad luck. Last night, he blew a motor. Oh. And and he's he's not a thrasher. He just 
drives people clean. I mean, he's he's a good competitor. Mm. And and you got you got a lot of kids that came yeah. out. Evan Hallstrom, Kelsey yeah. Woodard, yeah, uh, the Landfair girls raced for yeah. it. Didn't yes, they? yeah, yeah. We we enjoyed having that daredevil, and we had a lot of good uh, good kids come out of it. And um, last night, let's see, I'm trying to think of his name, Cooper. Uh, Cooper French. Cooper French, yeah. Yeah, he was one of our guys yeah. over there, and he's racing at White Mountain now. And he won the heat race last night. He, he's doing really well. Yeah. Good kid. Hmm. Um, okay, let's get back into your racing stuff here. And so you, you guys dominated the mini stocks. And for people who aren't, you know, aware of this, Real quick, 74, you won Thunder Road and Catamount Championships and the state championship. 75, Thunder Road Champions. 77, Thunder Road and Catamount and Vermont State. 78, Thunder Road Championship. 79, 79 was the year they had, they had just the Milk Bowl, and you won that. Yep. 80, again, swept both the track championships, and you won, uh, let me see, 15 out of your 16 races that year. Yeah. Holy God. Um. In 81, everything kind of stopped. The track shut down. Thunder Road was, was closed. 82, Tom and Ken get Thunder Road back. And they start the Tiger Division. And you're the guy. Yeah. You know? Um, were you guys, what was the energy like at that point? You know, trying to rebuild Thunder Road and get it back to, just to being open, but get it back to being successful and thriving like it had been. Well, Kel Damaris bought the track yeah. and tried to run it, and he didn't do a very good job. Yeah. And everybody wanted Does he to still owe you money like everybody else? <laughs> no, Tom didn't. At that point, <laughs> I came so close to buying Thunder Road from Kel Damaris. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was very close, but I got talked out of it by, the, by some more intelligent people than myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's, uh, it was a lot of energy because we had missed, you know, when you're used to having your ice cream and then you haven't got your ice cream anymore, you're excited to get your ice cream back. And Thunder Road was the ice cream we were waiting for. Yeah, yeah Thunder Road is it's an awesome, awesome track. I, I, I got more laps on Thunder Road, I think, than most tracks. Put three, four together, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Thunder Road is, uh, I'm glad to see Tom and, uh, I mean, Pat and uh, Chris. Chris buy it. They've done a great job yeah. with it. The only thing I don't like of what they did is the wall that they put on the backstretch and the wall run one and two and up the backstretch. The wall is fine if they had had it back another 10 feet. Yeah, and you know, Chris just, has even said that. Yeah, the racing area you've lost it, you know, because you come out of two, you start to run the car up high and get a good run into three. And uh, I can't say, because I haven't rode, drove the track since since they did that. I haven't. But I, I'm, I'm hoping to race the uh, Milk Bowl this year up there with my Tiger. Nice. We'll see. Where, where do you think this area would be without Thunder Road? Oh, and I and I mean that beyond the racing, I mean the entire geography, the the community of Barry and no. and this the whole, economic 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you, you know, you go back to the 60s when it opened and what they did with it. You remember they had the community coop, 1320? Yeah. We drove him by. Uh, uh, Mike Osborne. Mike sorry. Osborne, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike drove the car. And they were sponsors, you know, individual sponsors on the trunk of the car. People give $50, $25, $100, whatever. And they, they had it on a Thursday because the uh, granite sheds paid on a Wednesday. Or maybe it was on a Thursday they paid. I can't remember. But anyways, they had it that day so that they, they had, had money to get mm-hmm. to the races. That's right. You know. And plus, it was local people. You know, we had so many local drivers racing at Thunder Road. And when I say local, I don't mean just Barry. I'm talking Orange, uh-huh. Morrisville, yeah. Hardwick, the Hayes boys. I mean, it drew. You know, we, we had a 30-mile radius that you'd fill that spectator stands. Do you we, think, I mean, I, I would say that it's kind of the glue that holds all these towns together. Oh, Is that fair? Absolutely. You're right. Yeah, it absolutely is. Thunder Road is a, it's a shrine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's everybody knows Thunder Road. Everybody goes to Thunder Road. Even they'll go up and be there on a rainy night just, just <laughs> knowing that it's going to clear up and they're going to sit there in their umbrellas until it clears and watch the races. Yeah, it's it's a unique racetrack. It's un, it's in a unique area too. You know, you know, you got a lot of race enthusiasts from from kids to adults to their kids to their children. You know, that still going to the races. And it, as you see, we're we're getting a lot of younger kids racing. You know, it isn't just old farts like me. You know, that mm-hmm. you got a lot of uh, kids carts are back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're not. You haven't always been the hero at Thunder Road, though. No. Does that has that ever bothered you? No, no, no. I just enjoy racing. I don't need to be any hero. I'm. I race for me. I race for my enjoyment. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in it to be a hero. I mean, if I was, I wouldn't be racing right now. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like racing. You know, it's just a lot of fun. I, it keeps my mind sharp or sharper than what it should be. And uh, I just, I just like it. It's just I enjoy it. Yeah. Do you pay attention to records or care about records or anything like that? Nope. I mean, I'm sure that you are aware that you have the most wins and and all that at Thunder Road. Yeah, yeah. Does, I do. does it mean anything to you? Well, it's yeah. It's it's nice. It's I yes. I can't deny it, but I race because I enjoy it. I don't I don't race to impress anybody. Whether it be spectators, my family, I, I just enjoy racing. I mean, obviously, I race you around, you know, so. Yeah. Back in the day, C.A. Crouch used to say, Purdy, don't go. But that was before everyone was trying to be a social media influencer. These days in racing, it's just as important to look good as it is to go fast. Am I right? That's where After Dark Custom Designs comes in. If you need custom racing apparel, this is the place to go. Any color, any style, and the best part, no minimum order quantity. 
screen printed or direct to garment t-shirts and hats with your logo or design on them and hats are just $15 each that's your cost founder hunter garduno is a racer and he gets it so in his words your logo is gonna look good on anything he makes now taking orders for september 1st contact hunter at 802-793-7919 or find after dark custom designs on facebook to place your order today New England weather is unpredictable, and when the power goes out, you'll need a backup plan. That's why you should call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service in Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. Bushy's is your source for home standby generators, and they are the number one Briggs & Stratton dealer in the state of Vermont. From sales and installation to service and maintenance on all makes and models of generators from 10 kilowatts to 200. And if you order a home standby generator from Bushy's between now and the Milk Bowl in October, mention that you heard this ad on Uncommon Deeds and receive a $500 discount. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service covers all of Vermont and New Hampshire, as well as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Give them a call at 802-591-1903 or visit their Facebook page or bushysgenerator.com. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service of Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. We keep your power on. Barry Tile and Morrison Clark Incorporated have got you covered, literally. They're your number one stop in central Vermont for all types of flooring, whether it's tile, carpet, hardwood, or any other type of flooring, indoor or outdoor, for your home or your business. Barry Tile staff are qualified installers who can offer you real-world flooring experience and knowledge that you don't always find in the big chain stores. But you don't need our endorsement. They've been family-owned and operated since 1972, which means they're celebrating 50 years in business in 2022, and that stands for itself. And hey, not only are they great at what they do, they're racers too. You got it, man. Check out Barry Tile's Facebook page to see some examples of their incredible work. You can call them the old-fashioned way, 802-476-0912, or just stop into the showroom, 889 South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont. And make sure that you tell them that the guys at Uncommon Deeds sent you. Thanks to all our sponsors who help us bring this show to you for free every single week. Now, back to our show. So the Tigers really take off and they're the show and Justin and i honest we just were talking the other day that even with the late models the tigers have probably always been the show minus a few years at thunder road could you feel it especially you know you hit land of the 80s early 90s 60 cars yeah yeah yeah, and it's so, a who's who. You look at those rosters, and it's name recognition after name recognition. Yep. Well, we would still we still have a lot of tigers racing. Thunder Road right. has a lot of tigers. That's why I'd say right now they yeah. probably are still They're the, the show, show right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the tigers when we had forty eight to sixty cars, Tom would only race twenty feature twenty eight cars, so another twenty eight cars would go home. And if he had an A and a B feature for the guys that didn't qualify with the A, mm-hmm. I think he'd still retain to have a, a lot more Tigers he does now. Yeah, It just, people got discouraged. I mean, geez, I can't qualify. I'm not going to qualify. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. So they just parked a car or solar car. So you'd still have that enthusiasm, enthusiastic racing if if he had an A and a B feature. Hmm. That's just my my thought, anyways. I thought that when I was racing my late model and I was racing my Tiger at the same night. 
that we fought, we we got bounced out of uh, Milton back when we wanted the money spread back further. And right now, I still felt at that time that we had all the tigers that if they had two features, it would make more excitement and it would bring more people in the stands. Yeah. Because people, oh, geez, my grandson or my son or my nephew or my cousin's racing, I want to go see him race. So if you had those 4860 cars in two different divisions, you know, an A and a B is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It had been a lot better. That's just my theory. There's dirt tracks doing that right now. I think, yeah. Yeah, there are. Yeah. And it's working. Yeah. yeah. How, I mean, how do you prepare as a driver for a night like that when you're hauling up the hill on Thursday night and there's 60 of you guys trying to get 24 spots do you just roll with it or do you think I gotta beat this guy I gotta beat that guy I gotta do this no I just roll with it yeah I just roll with it it's I don't I try to get all the spots I can and if it don't happen it doesn't happen I, I I'm not looking at and I never point race I was just going to ask you that Yeah, I don't point race and if I'm lucky enough to have top points good but I don't think I have to beat him I don't go home at night or I don't spend my time through the day saying hmm I got to pass him to get this many points or he's going to have a DNF or yeah no I just I race because I like to race yeah. I mean I, there was I can't remember how many years ago it was but I had somebody from Boston come up and do a sports write on why I liked racing and I don't have that article right here to show you but it is like a three page and I do it because I like to get get behind a, a wheel of a race car and drive like I like to race snowmobiles like I like to drag race you know I still like to play with uh, my lights drag lights see how mm-hmm. quick I still am yeah you know, it's just something I like personally. How close are you to prime, prime Joey on the lights? <laughs> I'm still quick. You know, I avoid a lot of accidents. I know. believe it. Um, my eyes aren't as sharp as they used to be, but they're good enough to see what's going on in front. You know. You so you haven't raced at Thunder Road since they've done the improvements. I haven't raced on the road for, well, I bought the racetrack in 2014. So 2013 was the last year I raced at Thunder Road. So you haven't you haven't been out there with the new lights then? Nope. nope. Do you think you'd enjoy that? Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I want to go up and do a practice, see how my Tiger goes up there. Um, Are you ever going to slow down? Yeah, when I'm dead. I don't, I don't plan on slowing down. No, I want to keep on doing what I can do mm. when I can do it. Yeah, I'm lucky. I have a wife that uh, is there for me. Well, like I mentioned, you just turned 79, and take this in the best way. I mean it in the best way. But you know, there's the running joke that you've never got a shirt on on pit road, <laughs> and you're in better shape than 75 percent of the guys. You know, a third of your age. Yeah. How do you, not to mention the head of hair that you're right. <laughs> Look at your hair. Very much. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, is I mean, does racing keep you young, or do you work out, or what? I mean, what is what is your regimen like? And well, I just 
work. You know, I, yeah. I've got an excavator, a bulldozer, a grader, a, a loader. I'm, I've got a fair amount of property that I, I play with. and I Like I'm building this go-kart track. Yeah. I'm doing this myself. I'm not having paying somebody to do it. I'm doing it. I just stay busy, you know. I have a storage business. I gave my uh, marine business to my son, Jeff. And I have a, you know, I store 200 boats, boats, campers, you know, whatever. That keeps me busy for at least three months a year, pulling them in, putting them out. And then I help Jeff when he needs help, work on my race car. I do a 10 to 14 hour day. And I, st- I still, uh, I sell uh, kids four wheelers and um, scooters, adult scooters. We're going to talk about some kids four wheelers after we stop hitting. <laughs> I still got yours, and I want it. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, you like you said, you stay busy, you work. But I've talked to you before where you told me like that part is the enjoy- you didn't necessarily like being in the shop anymore. You liked heading out in your truck and working on someone's boat where you have no cell phone service and no one can reach you. <laughs> yeah, I have, I, like I said, we should have stopped in the 90s. Now, you, you know, you got all kinds of electronics. People go out to eat. They talk to each other on their cell phone. They text <laughs> across the table. They're texting each other. It's like, what? Come on. Get a life. I mean, it's like, I know it's it's something you got to have now, but and it's part of life. I've got two phones, two cell phones. One I use for GPS to find people, and the other one's a flip phone, which I call a wooden phone. <laughs> and if you want to talk to me, I have an answering service. Just leave a message. I'll get back to you. It might be the end of the day or the next day, but I'll get back to you. Yeah. Oh, man, we got to do that. We need an answering service. <laughs> My, yeah. It's funny. My dad had to get a new phone recently last whatever it was few weeks and they were messing around trying to get all his contacts and stuff over and he had to go so he's at ah, whatever just keep it and he took his phone and the people at whatever it was at&t or wherever it was assumed he'd come back and get it in an hour or whatever and he didn't come back for like two three days so they started going in the phone and calling his contacts because they were worried something had happened and they wanted to let them know that he didn't have a phone. And my aunt Judy's like, no, he just, he doesn't care about yeah. having his phone. He'll come back at some point and get it. <laughs> it's not a necessity. That's for sure. You know, you talk about your dad. Uh, he worked with us for five years at the racetrack, Speedway 51. And he always had a big bushy black beard. Yeah. And him and, uh, your, your dad, John, uh, Tom, and my wife, Pam, worked a lot together because they were mm-hmm. at, the, at the racetrack. Well, I think it was two days ago or a day ago, Pam, this guy comes up to her and says, Hey, Pam, how are you? And she's looking at him. Jeez, I think I know you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it was your dad, of course, he had all it's a white, white beard. beard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he so, stopped paying all that money for the Just for Men. <laughs> But it was it was pretty funny. Uh, uh, is there anything in racing that you didn't get to do that you wish you had, or that you are still trying to achieve? No, 
I've, I've achieved everything I wanted to. I don't set my goals high. I just take them as they come. You know, I feel I want to do something, like, I'll do it. Like, if I want to go to Florida and race, we'll load the car and we'll go to Florida and race. Yeah. Which I think this winter will do a lot of that because I'll have a little more time uh, to spend at my house in Florida. And we got we got four nice racetracks that we can race at down there. So, no, I my goals, I don't have goals. I just... Well, I will ask you the same question for business and life and all that stuff. Are you, do you have projects like this go-kart track, you know, for five or ten years down the line, or are you just going day by day, or is there anything you, you have to get done? No, my plan was to get it done this year, but like I said, I bought some more. I bought another farm, and I started clearing the trees and stumping it, and that turned into a project more than I would planned on. So the, the go-kart track kind of got set set back a little bit this year, but we'll have it ready for next year. We're definitely going to race snowmobiles this winter on it. We're going to have vintage racing, which doesn't require any clay; it just requires snow. Mm-hmm. So we'll have uh, we'll have snowmobile racing there this year, and that's vintage racing is very big, especially in the Lancaster, uh, Groveton. Uh, uh, Whitefield, uh, Littleton area. We got a lot of racers out there that that enjoy uh, vintage racing, and and you get back to the old days, vintage racing. You get back to the guy that's doing it because he wants to, he likes to. It doesn't because something something he has to do. He just go out and pick up an old vintage Yamaha or a Skidoo or an Arctic Cat, fix it up, and go. Have fun, the whole family. I mean, we got kids that are on these little one twenties that are racing, and they got mod one twenties, they got stock one twenties, and we're talking fifty to eighty kids. Wow! Yeah! Wow! Yeah! Well, Barry, um, oh, it's on the road. Puts on a, a, a kids race. Yeah, up there, and they're all excited to do it. I mean. Competition is great for a youngster. I mean, it, it, it makes them hands-on. Hands you know, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is they're uh, eye-foot-brain contact, you know, when, mm-hmm. they're, when they're racing or driving a snowmobile or racing a little four-wheeler or whatever they're doing. It's, I think it's good for the kids. It gets them away from the electronics. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's they aren't watching videos and googling something that they shouldn't be. <laughs> Their minds are where they should be. And kids <laughs> growing up too fast nowadays. They need to slow down. Yeah, you know, they're getting old too fast. Um, snowmobile stuff with your name is something that I've always found fascinating. But not just your name, but the guys. That raced with you, and I'm talking years and years ago, um, Vince Quinville and Beaver Dragon and guys like that from different disciplines of stock car racing, but you all kind of met in the middle with the snowmobile stuff. Yeah. Jake Villeneuve, yeah. Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. We raced a lot of Canadians that are racing big-time uh, cars. Yeah. Incidentally, it was great last night to see those Canadians at Way Mountain. Yeah. We had, I think, what, eight or nine? Yeah. It was great to see them. They're good people. 
LaPearl wrecked and finished fourth, which is great. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that wreck was not his fault. That was a deliberate dump in turn three. Yeah. Yeah. Backwards into the wall. I'm sure he enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. Um, there was one thing that I have to ask you about because I don't know anything about it other than rumor and hearsay. I've been told that, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, you were racing for a championship at White Mountain, and it ended very badly. Yeah. You, I, I don't know anything about it. Can you please tell us the story? Yeah, I can. <clears throat> it was uh, the year they opened. And it was, uh, it all ended up, I was point leader, and they had their favorite, which was a relative of theirs, I won't mention any names. Um, you're talking about Donnie and Terry Avery. Correct. Right. Yeah. I don't know who the driver is that you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, we had the milk bowl on Sunday, and we had... The race was on Saturday. It was a Saturday race. I can't remember exactly the dates and stuff, but anyways, my friend Brian Bailey has an airplane, and I needed to get from White Mountain to Thunder Road. My car that I was going to race at Thunder Road was, would be there. So Brian said he'd, there's an airstrip about three miles, two and a half miles down the road from White Mountain. So Brian was going to land at that airstrip, Terry Avery was letting me use her Ford Explorer to drive the race from the racetrack to the airstrip. And we uh, <clears throat> we all said, uh, no, what do I do? If I win, you know, you got to go through tech. Yep. We'll pre-tech you. So they pre-tech me. Then we took and uh, we raced. I won the race. The guy that was helping me was exactly my weight. And the relative of hers says, hey, the driver's supposed to be in the car. Because they told me, Terry and Donnie says, go. You've got to get to Thunder Road. So take my Explorer and go down to the airstrip. So that's what I did, leaving the car and my guy that helped me behind. So they complained because I wasn't there to have the car wait. He went through and waited anyways. Everything was above board and good. So long story short, I got a phone call Monday from Terry saying, we got a meeting Wednesday, meet me at Loon. We're going to have a meeting at Loon Mountain. So... I went over there, met with them. They says, oh, we got to disqualify you. And I said, for what reason? Because you weren't here to be in your car to get weighed. And we had complaints from such and such a driver, which was a relative of theirs. So anyways, they said I was disqualified for the championship. So I took them to court, and I won. Really? Really. They, they, what they did was wrong. And then uh, this was not supposed to be said that was agreement that we had the outcome of the thing what i'm telling you now is just what happened and if anybody doubts it look back in the records because it'll be it was the court in new hampshire okay the first time this came 
came out. Huh. But I duly, truly won the championship opening race at uh, White, White Mountain Motorsport. Park. And they had Dave Trickle, Dick Trickle, I'm sorry. Dick Trickle was there one night when they yeah. were opening. And, uh, Dick and I started in the rear along with, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, uh, from up in the car. Uh, I'm forgetting his name anyways. He, he sat right in front of us, and I won the race. Dick Trick and I battled it out up through, and Dick tried to dump me. He wasn't in one of your cars, was he? No, no, no. He was he was driving. I can't remember whose car, but it was a good car. It was a real good car. And that man smoked through the whole race. Lit one cigarette after another cigarette. Started with a cigarette and ended with a cigarette in his mouth. But I had won that night, and yeah, duly and truly, I won the championship. But it was settled through court that they were wrong in what they did, and uh, but they gave the uh, it was a chassis was the championship, and they gave a free chassis, racing chassis, it was a RSB chassis. Yeah. But yeah, anybody doesn't think that it's bull crap, just go to the court. Okay. It's in records. We called a race when Clint Boyer was running at Thunder Road. Yeah. And he was involved in an accident with little Joey. Little Joey about flipped down the front strats. We looked out the back. You were the first one at that trailer. What did you say to him? I told him he wasn't very good. <clears throat> Excuse me. I told him that he wasn't a very good sportsman when dumping a 16-year-old kid. And he's oh geez I didn't, I'm sorry. And he says well let me go talk to him. So he he followed me over to the trailer and my grandson very politely told him what he thought. And Dick uh, not Dick uh, Clint agreed that he that he did that Clint did wrong. But they had a nice little, little conversation and it was ended up as a, a good deal. You know, not a good deal that Joey could dump. But right. Joey was kind of saying, with all your money, maybe you should uh, help fix the car. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Really? Well, he said, yeah. He said, you know, you caused me a lot of money. A lot of damage to my car, you know. <laughs> that takes some some balls as a, <laughs> yeah. you know, 15, 16-year-old tough Clint boy. Hey, caused me a lot of money here. Yeah. yeah. Pony up. But he's a, he was, Joey's a really quiet kid. He's, you never hear him. Complain loudly, you know. If he had yeah. something to say, it wasn't. Yeah. Everybody didn't know about it. He just had his own way about doing things. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and I will always remember the night you guys were. I think you won the race. It might have been your last one at Thunder Road, and he was second or third. Yeah, yeah. I think he was third. Yeah, second or third. Yeah, yeah. That must have been pretty cool for you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah especially to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, any time you race with family and Joey family, whether it was my older son Joey or, in fact, I don't think I ever beat my older son. He always beat me, always. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff was a good driver, too. Yes, he was. Jeff's a good chassis guy. Oh, my God. Jeff, Jeff it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he liked to put more time in, but now he's got a business. He's uh, thinking a little different. Now. Yeah. You must be pretty proud. Very proud. Yeah. Very proud. Yeah. You know, we've seen and talked to people who 
work with family for years and years, not just racing, but literally you're working business racing. You're on different teams sometimes when racing, especially with Jeff for those relationships to still, you know, be strong 30, 40 years later is probably a testament to you guys. Yeah. Well, we try to <clears throat> try to get along. Uh, we have different points of views at times and, we discuss them and come up with this logical solution. But uh, yeah. easier said than done with some people. Yeah, it is. It is. Mm. Jeff's quiet. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff's yeah. not an outspoken person. Yeah. But when he talks, you listen, though. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, you've had, uh, and especially in the last ten or so years, you've had a lot of different drivers drive for you. Yeah. Um, is there one that stands out? More than the others. I, I mean, I'm going to point to Gene Paul Sear winning the championship with you guys in, in 2009. Yeah, Gene. But you had Brad Babb and you've had uh, yeah. Craig Bushy drove for you, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek Ming. Derek yeah. Ming, Brandon Moody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, all, they're all great. I, I'll tell you, uh, Gene Paul came to us, said he never, uh, he has never won a championship at Thunder Road. <clears throat> and he wanted uh, Jeff to crew for him and so I uh, got together with uh, uh, Race Basic, uh, built a car to what Gene wanted. He wanted, uh, I think at that time, he wanted floor pedals, not hanging pedals. He was more comfortable with, I don't remember if it was floor or hanging. I believe it's floor pedals he likes. So we did everything he wanted. Then uh, Jeff went to work on setting the car up, and he won a championship. He's a good driver. He's a good guy. He's. Uh, I can't take and say that one was better than the other. I mean, Brendan Moody's good. Derek Ming, Brad Babs. He's racing supers. Yeah. He's a. He's a heck of a driver. Yeah. He can get pretty much anything and wheel it. Um. And Craig Bushy, there, there, there's another nice guy. He's, he's uh, also. He reminds me a lot of Joey Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Craig. Craig is. Uh, he died. Yeah. And as long as I've been around Craig, if he's got something to say about somebody, it's either either he says stuff good or he won't say nothing at all. Yeah, he's he's good company. Yeah, yeah, and a good freaking good driver. He's a, he's a hell of a wheel man. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a heck of a driver. Yeah, yeah, they're all pretty talented. You know, Derek Ming. I don't know why he doesn't race full time. Yeah. He's he's a hell of a driver. Yes, he is. Derek is that is. complicated at all for you to put out a car for the track that you own in terms of other people's opinions? Oh yeah, especially when he's successful. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, you know, mini tracks have uh, their own car. They have a you know situation that's not good. Yeah. But you, you, as a promoter, you've got to got to promote these different guys you know it would be different uh, if if you had two or three cars out there but you got one car trying to promote the racetrack unfortunately sometimes you're winning more than you should be winning you know and it doesn't look good but I don't know what to say other than you know yeah. most, most, I'm trying to think what they call it when they have a, a race car Oh, nepotism or favoritism? Yeah, or, uh, yeah. 
Exactly. The house car. <laughs> it's a house car. Yeah. And, and Tom Curley had a house car. I'm sure he did. He had a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we had we had a house car. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Claremont, I know they had a house car at one time. But anyways, it's you got to you got to do it. Yeah. Do you almost get more enjoyment now as you get older of giving some of those guys opportunities, especially like a Brendan Moody? who, you know, is breaking your Tiger records but never really had a shot in a late model and giving him that opportunity. I'd like to help different drivers. You know, I enjoy it. You know, it's like Brendan. Brendan's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a good wheel man. Uh, his cars, if they aren't up to par, he makes them up to par. He, you know, he's something like Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch can get in pretty much anything and drive it, and if it's not a handling quite right, he'll do. You know, he'll he'll make it work. Brad, uh, Derek Ming, Brendan Moody, Craig Bushy, John uh, Gene Sear. You put Marcel in a car yeah, at one yeah, point. Marcel, right. Yeah, Marcel. Yeah, yeah. I would still have him running my late model, but his dad is. His dad is a he's getting, hell of a chassis man. His yeah. dad's getting getting some credit he's deserved for yeah. a while. He, yeah. he should get more credit because the reason that Micro goes as good as he does is his dad. Yeah. His dad is, he builds a good long-distance car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just won at Oxford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did good last night. The car ran out of tires, I think, last night, but he was running really good. Yeah, uh, It was a good race last night. It was a yeah. good show. Um, is there somebody next on your radar to have drive one of your cars? My or my grandson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's next. Is he going to be good? Yes, he's he's too quiet. He's too quiet. He lets people push him around. You know, I try to tell him you can't let him do that. Well, I, I want to gain respect. You ain't going to gain respect by. You give Wiener or Tommy Thunder a few inches, they'll yeah. take a foot and a half. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's such a thing as, you know, giving respect, wanting respect, but there's such a thing as you've got you to prove it. that you deserve the respect. Yeah, You can't just let somebody slap you all the time. You know. You, you said only, he's got a new car coming soon? What, yeah, well, I don't know if you'll see. It's, it, it's all you got to do is stick a motor in it. Yeah. You know, it's ready. Yeah. You said he's 14? Just turned 14, yeah. So does he have relationships with some of the other kids that are out there and trying to learn from him, or is it just kind of stick to the family nucleus? No, no, he's no, he has, uh, he taught, he's pretty friendly with uh, Woodard. Yeah. And Woodard's a great kid. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's phenomenal. He's been bumping elbows with all the spotters for yeah. a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's been helping uh, the 39 car, uh, Mike... Uh, uh, Foster. Foster, yeah. yeah. Back he, last week, he helped him at White Mountain. And uh, he helped me last night, and he was over with Foster's a little bit. And Jesse's good. Going to be good. He just a little on the quiet side. Yeah. He's a kid. He'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Somebody will piss him off sometime, and he'll dump him, and that'll be, <laughs> that'll be the turnaround. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be sooner than later, though. Yeah. Do you have the mentality where you could be like a crew chief 
or are you too competitive, too much of the driver? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't be a crew chief. No, that's Jeff's job. Now, I'm a driver. You know, I, I like I like to race. I just, no matter what it is, I just want to race. As long as I can race, I want to race. Interesting. Because we talk to plenty of people, like a Chip Grenier, who almost likes working on cars more than racing. And yeah. It's like, ah, I could probably be a better racer if I had another me yeah. to do the crew chief stuff. Right. Yeah. But trying to do both. Chip and that's more or less what you've been doing right. in the last few years. It's, you know, you and Jesse and Pam yeah. pulling into the track. Well, back my whole year, career racing, I mean, think of it. Uh, you've never you, had a big crew. Have you just well, you're, you're famous for not having a spotter forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like being in the Tiger because there's nobody buzzing in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do this, do that, this, that. I can see what's going on. Yeah. You know what? We were... We didn't even think of it. Stacy Cahoon yeah. doesn't have a spotter because he can't hear. Right. There, there's another fantastic driver. Yeah. Stacy. Yeah. He's he's good. He just had his first pass start. Yeah. He, yeah. He kicked Tyler's ass too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. did. Um, that car was uh, um, Craig Bushy's. Yes. And Craig got put in the wall backwards and bent the back end and. Uh, he uh, they bought it from no they didn't actually buy it from Craig they bought it from um, Andrew Hill yeah he uh, Andrew bought it and uh, who's the next Jeff LeCare by the way yeah he Andrew is, is yeah. Andrew is he's very methodical yeah yeah he's kept my he did all the work on my late model the last couple of years that I've been racing yeah and now the Wooder Boy's got it and he's he's doing pretty good yeah for a young kid. Um, this is completely off topic, but I wanted to ask you about your car numbers. Um, you've had some pretty iconic numbers, and I want to start with the GT1, the Larry Granger. Where did that number come from? <laughs> oil. Kendall? Yeah, yeah, the GT1 oil. Yeah. Yeah. And then the 5.0. The Hawaii 5.0. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just love watching that program. Yeah. So went to the 5.0, and then I went to... Uh, how I actually got car number 15 is I my modified. I bought a car out of Canada, a modified. And racing it uh, was a mini mod. Okay. That's how we came up. It, the number on it was 15. So you just left it. I just left the number on yeah. it. <laughs> you were 16 for a while too, though. Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? I, I don't remember that. I, I, I remember 16. Ended up, Jeff ended up driving that car. But it was only for a couple of years or so. Yeah. Yeah. When they when they first reopened Thunder Road yeah. and you had the Tigers, that was your number then. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I ended up with that. But. And the small stretch with, what, 71 when you had bought the car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Chris Fisher car, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just left the number on it. I right? left the number on it. Yeah, but yeah. now that's Jesse's number. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that car meant a harsh, what was it, mid-season championship yeah. with you and Chad Wheeler? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the craziest last 10 laps of any race you remember I've that ever race? seen. Yeah, yeah. I think Chuck was leading, and someone dumped him, and then someone else wrecked, and you and Chad went into turn yes, one was and leading. didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. I can remember when I first bought that car from Chris, starting dead last and just running the outside right up to, started 20, I think 26, 24, somewhere in there, ran the outside right up to first place. Yeah. Chris, that was a good car Chris had. Yeah. 
What was the worst wreck you've had? Um, uh, that one was pretty spectacular. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a spectacular wreck. Um, probably going backwards in the wall at Oxford. Tell us more. <laughs> well, it was in a mini. Okay. And of course, you know the motors in the rear. Yeah. And we're racing. There was a Saab dealership that was out of, I can't remember if it was Scarborough, Maine, somewhere in Maine. They they had two race cars, and they were pretty good cars. It was a 36-car field. We started in the rear, not dead in the rear, but like probably around 26, 27th. And we got up at the first, racing with the Sobs, and came out of turn four, and he caught me in the left rear corner and spun me just right so the, the balance momentum of the rear motor spun me and just sat. I, mean, I couldn't even put the brakes on, just sailed in the wall backwards. You know mm-hmm. how you have the crown and come in? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it put the motor right up to hit the back seat. Come on. Yeah. Junk car. I mean, totally junk car. Wow. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's not much there anyways, right? Not much bracing. You had basically the cage in the car and some cage going to the front, but you had a little bit to the rear, very little, because your motor was sitting on the, the housing that yeah. the rear end perches on. Yeah. yeah. The rear end and the motor was just right into the back Jeez. seat. Huh. Yeah, that was... And going in backwards, you think it wouldn't be a hard hit, but it is. Is a, a front hit isn't... It is bad, but a rear hit when you're going backwards, you just your body lunges and whacks right against the back of the mm-hmm. seat. Now, with those Volkswagen, I guess I never thought about that. With those Volkswagens, there's nothing in front of you. No. Did you ever have any had bad hits with the front? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some pretty good hits. Yeah, yeah. I th- another pretty good crash I had was in in uh, Florida at uh, New Smyrna. New Smyrna was a pretty bad hit. <laughs> As I got out of the car, and the guy, I was passing for first in his Canadian number 16. Yeah, I remember. I was looking for him. <laughs> Kevin Roberge. Yeah, yeah. Yes, who it was. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> we've had some good wrecks. Going over the third, uh, third turn at Thunder Road, ending up in the fence over the bank. But nothing super serious. You ever get hurt? Uh, broken arm. Oh, no. oh, I remember that. On it was on the stretch. front stretch, yeah. and your arm yeah. went yes. into the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was holding on so tight that it wound up and just broke my rear, it broke my arm. Yeah. Nothing super serious. What is your favorite win? And I know you got a lot of them, <laughs> but you've wanted a lot of different tracks too. The Oxford two hundred and fifty. With the mini stocks, yeah, yes, you swept yeah. the weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was the that was my favorite, most fun that I've had. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of competitors in that mini division in, in uh, Maine. Mm-hmm. Maine was a big race state. They've kind of slowed down a little. Yeah, but that was a lot of competitors come out of there. In Canada, you know, Burge, those guys. Does anyone stand out? That you loved racing with? I like racing with everybody, you know. Nobody, though, when you pulled in, you said, ooh, Phil Scott's here or whoever's here. I'm going to have fun. 
Or maybe the night with Dick Trickle at White Mountain, yeah. you know. But that's, I like race with everybody. It's, there's no name too big, no name too tame, you know. It's, yeah. We have a lot of good competitors that we race against. I mean, just, it's, I was talking last night, and I'm trying to think who it was I was talking with. Uh, that we said, oh, it was Robbie Crouch, come to think of it. He was uh, he was there with his car. Him and I were parked right next to each other. We're watching uh, the heat races, and he's sitting in front of me. And he turns around. And he says, "Can you imagine? Look at the competition. We never had this much competition back in the day. I mean, there's 20 cars. At any last night, there was 25 cars that could have won that race, hands down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the times are 12 sevens to 12 eight five. That's tight. That's, That's tight. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's is it is that a good thing that the I, cars are so close? Yeah, I think so. It, it's good for the spectators. It's good for the it's good for the car driver. It's good for the car owner. Make some work harder. Figure out things. You know. I asked that, and what I mean is, you know, in your mini stock, it was kind of a given that you or Jerry Parentoni was going to go to the front because your stuff was better. That sort of created more exciting and more, you know, more excitement and more passing. And now it's 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 not impossible to pass, but it's hard when twenty four cars are within a tenth of, or two of each other. Yeah, is it, is that a good thing that they're all that close, or would it be better if there was somebody dominant? Or yeah. well, I, I I'm going back to last night, okay, because that's still fresh in my mind. There was twenty five good competitors. There's about eight cars that shined in my eyes and sean swallow that's a, a nick sweet car yeah nick sweet takes care of that car yeah and that car run like nick sweet's car runs and then nick sweet's and sean did a good job last night but sean tom curly always said, told me there's a villain every track's got to have a villain mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because people come to watch that villain well last night it was sean swallow yeah he took out quite a few cars but he came up through from, he was deep in the pack. He came up through, he was like second, third. Yeah. He took out uh, Pat, Patrick Pearl one time on turn two. Uh, he, he took out three, but he was aggressive, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Aggressiveness is going to get, you know, it's going to make the move. Another guy is uh, the 03 car of Gopacek. Uh, Gluchaki. Gluchaki. Yeah. He's another guy that puts you three wide. Yeah. You know, that is going to make guys, it's going to make racing more fun to watch, I yeah. think. The cars are equal, so now it's going to so drive it's the driver. It's going to be the driver. It's going to make the moves. Yeah. You know, if you got to if you got to kind of move a guy up. There was a lot of three wide passing last night. You know, I saw five moves, three wide, if yeah. not more, yeah. that I caught with my eyes, you know. I thought it was a, a very good race. I don't know what uh, Chris and uh, Pat thought about it, but. It was good racing. Stands were packed. I mean, there's, there's standing room pretty much. Yeah, they they put on a good show. They they did a great job. My hats off to Chris and the guys. Do you think racing is in a good place right now? Yes. Yeah. 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 Pat and uh, Chris, they're uh, they're doing a good job. You know, there's uh, there's some stuff that I don't like, but that's me. <laughs> but all in all, Chris. Being a racer and know what it's all about is is doing a good job. 
Yeah. Time for a berry tile quick hitters, and then we'll wrap it up. Start off, who was the driver you learned the most from by racing with? Not necessarily talking with, but being on the track with. Well, I'll have to say, i got to say Bobby Dragon. Bobby, he's, he was a, a good person to race with and a good person to watch and a good person to listen to. Yeah. You can do a lot worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the dumbest thing you ever did in a race car? Well, uh, lock and fill from... But you said you'd do it again. I would, but that's dumb. <laughs> that is fair. That's dumb. I do it again, but it's dumb. Yeah. All right. I love it. <laughs> is there one race that sticks out that if you could go back and run it again, you want another shot at it? No, not really. No. I'm pretty happy with the outcome yeah. win, lose, or draw. Like I said, I, I do it because I enjoy it. Yeah, I like to win. I like to do good, but just racing is is spectacular fun for me. Yeah, just want to get out there and still do it, enjoy it. So now, it's like you go to work every day, right? If you if you like what you do, you enjoy going to work. I enjoy racing, so mm-hmm. I like to race. I love it. Um, thank you. Well, it's, thank you. It's been a pleasure to. To watch you, to get to know you, um, and if I if I can embarrass you a little bit, I remember being twelve or thirteen years old and going through the junk pile at Thunder Road one night after the races were over, and there was a big wreck, and your door was sitting in there, and it all messed up. And my buddy Jerry and I, we brought the door. It was, you know, nothing wrong with it. It was just kind of crumpled up. You could have flattened it out. So we took it out of the out of the junk pile and brought it back over to you and said, hey, Joey, here's your door. And you said, you boys stay right here. And you you jumped on it to, to flatten it out, and then you signed it and gave it to us. Yeah. The brand new door. And we're like, why? It's, you know, put this back on your car. And it was just, it's something that stuck with me that you've, you've done that for a lot of young kids in the grandstands like Tom or me. Yeah. And, and, and recognized that. And, um, Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks again to Joey LaCare and Justin. I'm hopeful that at some point we're going to be able to sit back down for a part two. I think that he would do it too. And there's like, you you know, we kind of said it at the beginning of the show. There was a lot we didn't ask about Uh, like his time racing the trucks, the pro truck tour. Um, we didn't talk about Pam as much as we should have. I think um, she absolutely deserves some credit. Um, I wanted to talk more. I, I know that we did talk about it, but I wanted to talk more about Tom Curley and Ken Squire um, and his relationships with them. Um, I think he would be, he would be a great guest for like, our live show idea we had oh, sitting across from a Gene Paul Sear or yeah. someone else that can, you know, bounce those stories back and forth. Yeah. 
we Tom, you and I have talked off air about we think that Joey might have cleaned up some stories a little bit. I think so. And I think you know? and you hit I think you hit on it when we were messaging back and forth. I think as you get older, you want to remember the good things and you start blocking out some of the bad. Yeah. And that's completely understandable. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I, I kind of actually respect that even more, you know, that he, he didn't dare, he didn't air any dirty laundry that wasn't his own. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was really, um, it was kind of nice because I wasn't sure. And I prodded him a little bit, um, with the, the Tracy Bellrose incident, uh, you know, about, I wasn't sure where he was going to go with, you know, me asking him about how his relationship with Tom Curley may have been affected by that. Um, and it was positive. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I have, and I, I mentioned it, I have a copy of the letter that was sent out from the stem from that incident when, when Darla Hart suspended Tom Curley from his own racetrack uh, after that incident. And I'll never forget that night. Um, but somehow Joey made it a positive and it was, it was pretty cool to hear him do that. Yeah. Like you said, hopefully maybe, at some point, we'll get a part two. But also, and we've talked about this, and we've talked about it with him, and we're hopeful we're going to get the opportunity to sit down with Jeff at some point in the near future. Yeah. And just a completely different perspective from a guy that was there the whole time. And I'm not just talking about the Tracy incident or anything like that. But No, 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 no. You know, Everything. There's no way to put it. He was there for everything. And, you know, Jeff is a very honest and straightforward guy. And I think he's going to have some great stories and some great perspective. I mean, if we talk to Jeff, just, just on the Tracy part, that's, you know, three different perspectives that we'll have heard from. And, you know, if we catch up with Phil Scott at some point, we'll have all four. Yeah. It'll almost seem like we're journalists getting, getting the whole story. Recovering journalists. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely looking forward to that at some point. Also, we didn't mention it yet. Joey was also like super, he's like, nothing's off limits. Yeah. And he meant it. And I'm very grateful that he talked about Joey Jr. and little Joey and especially Joey Jr. because that's someone neither you or I knew. And he, you know, was explaining what he was like and his personality. And yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, I would hope you guys really enjoyed kind of that look behind the curtain. Yeah, I really did. Um, I know there will be people that are emotional about that, that part of it. Um, and, and speaking of little Joey, um, who just passed, uh, in 2014, but, um, yeah, Joey jr. 
won the championship in 1990 and he was gone in February of 91 um, with a snowmobile accident and just a, a talent that was never truly realized. Um, he would be a five, six time champion at Thunder Road. I have no doubt. Or he would he probably have been because he would have moved on maybe into bigger and better things. He would be, he would probably be the Lacare that everyone talked about. Yeah, you're right. And Joey said as much himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back. just grateful for Joey. And I, we can't not mention if you listen to the Dave Moody episode, he talks about Joey being fastidious. Well, we took our shoes off on the porch and that was, that was a point that was unspoken, but very clear, uh, you know, and we settled in on meticulous in the interview. That's right. That's the key word. Yeah. Um, you know, Joey was cursing at the geese that pooped on his sidewalk and was cleaning that up. I don't know if it was before or after or both. Um, while we were, you know, before the recording or after, but, um, we went down on the dock to take that picture that we posted and, he had to stop in the middle of it to pull a weed that he saw 50 yards away. (laughs) He, he likes his things in order. Yes, he does. Yeah. I had to, I had to pee at one point I went in the bathroom and I used the hand towel and I folded it exactly how it was when I was done. I used my shirt. I didn't want to mess with it. hope you guys enjoyed our first episode back and that wasn't we talked about a lot of things came up that's why we you know kind of extended our vacation a little bit and i think it's probably going to be something similar i could say next year july seems like a really good month for us to kind of pull the ripcord, take a little bit of a a breather because it gives us the opportunity to do some things. You know, I was spending a lot of time with the kids and trying to take them to some places or just go into the playground on a night where maybe I would have had to hustle back and edit audio. So that was nice. But it also gives the opportunity for Justin to strap back into a race car and go to work. And he Just did for that. one night. Just for one night. It was it was fun. It was super fun. Um, but I got out of the car and I my first thought was I do not miss this. I miss the driving. I miss nothing else about racing, about being a competitor. Um because the driving is five percent of it. <laughs> and uh that was super fun. And I did a really good job. I'll be honest with you. Um, you probably saw my Facebook post, but. Um, and that, that says a lot because we, you and I think both tend to be pretty self-deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, I'd never, I'd never driven in a real race on dirt. I'd done some Enduros at Bear Ridge and that was it. Um, but I, got fed to the wolves at devil's bowl in the mini stocks. And I think there were 35 of them. This is just last Saturday night. Um, 
three days ago. And I just wanted to drive the car on the trailer at the end of the night, especially because it wasn't even a trailer. It was a dolly. And if I wrecked the car, he wouldn't have been able to get it home. Um, so um, Adam Mahoney is the car owner. And let me, he practically begged me to drive the car. And I, I put him off for a few weeks and then I finally agreed to it. And um, that's a race winning car. And I didn't win, but I set the fastest lap, which I'm sure is the only time I've ever done that ever. Um, and we went forward in the heat and the feature and I didn't put a scratch on it. So that was, that was fun. Sometimes it's nice just to have those opportunities to unplug. Yeah. For whatever, five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Nothing else is, is going on in your mind. Yep. I thought about nothing else except passing the next car. Um, and it was cool. And I passed the last car right at the start finish line as the checkered wave to go from 11th to 10th. And it was way cool. I thought it was like 19th. Honestly, I didn't feel like I passed a lot of cars. Did not stop Justin from pulling into victory lane. (laughs) I grabbed the trophy from Chris Conroy. I spiked it on the ground and I did the suck it symbol from the DX. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did not do those things, but. What? <laughs> I did realize though that I don't want a race car of my own. Um, but my niece really wants one. She's 15. She was there helping out. And I think that if I pour any amount of effort into that or money or whatever, it will be for her. Um, now would be a totally different thing. You know, it's still the race car would be ours here at the house, but um it would be for much different reasons than having me in it. And I, I feel like I could do that and get into it, but for myself, I don't need it. Um, that was the biggest thing that I took away from it. Well, which was surprising. Yeah. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, it was cool. And I'm glad it gave you perspective. Sometimes it's nice to know like, Oh, okay. I am headed in the right direction. I don't, I don't want to go backwards. Made Linda pretty happy too. (laughs) To hear that I don't want to buy a race car. <laughs> for me. Right, for me. Uh, you know what's even more important is that my five-year-old discovered mini golf during our break. Um, Sport of had her birthday, turned, turned five, um, but we discovered mini golf. We went to lots of balls in Duxbury, and then we ended up, uh, there's one here just a couple miles down the road in Addison. And... Um, now she wants to go all the time, and that's a, that's a hobby I can afford. <laughs> yeah. Sport of gentlemen. Sport Not of the way teams. we play it. <laughs> uh, so we'll be back next week, and we're going to be debuting a new segment. That's going to be – I don't know if it's going to be every single week. Well, we'll try it. We're going to try. I'll try it. Uh, and that's history. History time with Justin. We might tweak the name before next week. <laughs> we're uh, workshopping it. Yeah. But no, we're going to... Justin is going to focus in on stories about the history of motorsports, of things we can't interview people about. Yeah. It's things we know nothing about, which 
It's a pretty broad stroke for me, but <laughs> really focuses yeah. in on stuff Justin doesn't know. And, you know, it's going to be almost a little like true crime podcasty. Yeah. You know, with a script and telling you a story. Story time on Uncommon Deeds. Yeah. <laughs> Gather around, kids. Uncle Juice, I'll tell you a little story, but never mind. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, and thanks, you know, of course, to uh, Dave Clark, Barry Tile, Morrison Clark, um, Ben Bushy with Bushy's Generator Sales and Service um, for sticking with us um, through the break. You know, they didn't plan on that break either, um, but uh, they were all for it. And they were like, I, I can't believe you haven't taken one already. So um, thanks to them. And thanks to Hunter Garduno, who is back with us, but with um, a different business. Um, it was VT Fire, of course, and now it's um, After Dark Custom Designs. So um, thanks to him for, uh, I guess, sticking with us as well um, and coming back on board. So, yeah. If though you want to get involved, Tom, how 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 could we do that? You know, I'm going to tell you, and I was, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit. You were on someone else's podcast not too long ago. <laughs> yep. And uh, yep. I was I was not jelly per se, but I was a little happy when he asked you. <laughs> You know, where can they find your stuff? And you had to try to do the spiel of all our stuff, and you just kind of tanked it a little bit. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's my shtick. It's my shtick. Single tear rolled out because <laughs> I didn't have Tom there. That's true. It's true story. He sent me a picture of himself crying on a Zoom. But you can still get a hold of us on all our socials. Uncommon Deeds on Twitter and Facebook. Uncommon Deeds Podcast on the Instagram. Uh, 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 the Instagram. The Instagram. And if you want to be part of this kooky Uncommon Media family, and like I said, we are going to have some new opportunities. We have, you know, an open slot or two on the podcast itself. But we are going to have some other stuff coming here, especially on the YouTube side, where we're going to have some openings for some new sponsors. You can send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. You know. We'll get a uh, sales sheet out to you. And you know what? You can put in the email like, hey, I don't need a sales sheet. I'd just like to chat with you and we'll figure it out and we will happily roll that way. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have some crunch bunch stuff coming up um, in a little while when Al gets situated with his schedule and we can kind of nail down some stuff. I think I'm going to be doing more crunch bunch things with Al. Um, you know, and again, things are busy. He is doing actual important things um, where we're just kind of idiots here, but um, there will be opportunities for advertising with the crunch bunch podcast as well. And, um, that's, it's kind of its own little animal and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, hopeful for, you know, one or two more new podcasts in the not too distant future. 
some racing related, some not racing related, right? Mostly non. Mostly not. Yeah. Kind of. That's a good thing. Delve out in some different directions. Kids shows. Oh, that's creepy. I'm going to need you to stop that. Leave it to Beaver. Oh, no. Rugrats. He's still doing it. Leave it to Beaver. That doesn't qualify for what we're doing, is it? I don't know. It was a kid's show. Yeah, it wasn't a cartoon, though. Okay. Angry Beavers. <laughs> Good poll. That's a great show. It is. <laughs> I put it on for the kids in the not not too long ago. It didn't yeah. didn't stick the way I wanted it to. No. You enjoyed it though. Yes, I did. Yeah. I put on cartoons that dad enjoys. That's right. I give them there sometimes, but I uh well, we'll save this for future episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh thanks everybody for tuning back in. On this Tuesday, if you're listening on the day of the release, we will be back next week with another episode and a guest. We don't know who it is yet. That's right. That's how you know we're back. You've been listening to the Uncommon Deeds podcast, a production of Uncommon Media. I love you.